Way to go, you guys. Springing ahead. This, isn't this your favorite Sunday? No. It's, uh, the Lord has taught me some lessons through this Spring Ahead Sunday. And I tried to outsmart my smartphone one time. It didn't work. Don't ever try that. So we're in the book of Acts the Acts of the Apostles, and we're talking about the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Just a little bit of background as we get started. We're in chapter 3, and Peter's going to finish his message after the, the crippled man that was born crippled, 40 years old. An incredible miracle. A little bit of background as as we get to these verses, as Peter finishes up. The religious leaders have just absolutely despised Jesus to the point that they hung him on the tree and crucified him. They hated him because he pointed out their hypocrisy. He said he was the very Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ. He pointed out that it's not about religion, do's and don'ts, and trying to be good enough for God. It's that your God loves you, and he sent his one and only Son to come for you and to share his love for you. And then he would do miracle after miracle, and Jesus, not being real political in nature, just chose to do those miracles on the Sabbath, the very day that, that they said there should be no work. We're religious and we're earning God's favor. And Jesus chose that day to do miracle after miracle. And finally, they got rid of him. And they hung him on a cross. And it's been now almost two months. Whew, that's behind us. We got rid of that guy. Huh. And... They even talked about Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the grave. Well, everybody, because Lazarus is now alive and they know that he was dead, we better kill Lazarus too. And maybe they've already done that. Maybe they've already taken Lazarus out. But they're sitting in their thrones, their religious thrones, and they're thinking, wow, things are good. it's back to normal. We can, we can start using religion to you know, uh, fill our pockets and to do our thing and our pride and prejudice and all those things. Back to normal. We're good. And now here comes word. Another miracle. What? Yeah, another miracle. How can that be? We crucified him. You better get down to the temple. So they're making their way down to the temple. Peter's finishing up his message. So we pick up, uh, just to review a little bit, verses 14 through 18. And he, he declares, You killed the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead, which we are witnesses. And they're going, What? Huh. His name... Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, through faith in his name, 
He has made this man strong. He's healed this man in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your leaders. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, it's been fulfilled. So, Peter's laying out the facts. And I love the way Peter did this. Think about this. Number one, you killed the prince of life. You're guilty. Number two, God raised him from the grave. He's alive. The grave is empty. Go take a look yourself. He is who he claimed to be, Christ, Messiah. Scripture foretold all the things that would happen. That you would kill Jesus, God would raise him from the grave. It proves that he is who he said he was, and he's alive. And now, Jesus has healed this man, and you can't deny it. Fact four. So, Peter then seems to have pity on them. I know that you and your rulers, you didn't really know what you were doing. Are you kidding me? They hated Jesus with a vengeance. They knew what they were doing. And they put him on the cross and they yelled out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him! They hated him. Now, Peter's having pity on them. Why would he show Mercy to these murderers. How could Peter simply let them off the hook for murdering Jesus? Here's how. Look at Luke 23, verse 33. When they came to the place called the skull, oh, they nailed him to a cross. But look at Jesus' words, hanging on the cross of Calvary. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. You see, this is the very reason that Jesus came to this earth. Your sins, my sins, as Pastor Jared has shared, we have Eternal death, separation from God because of sin has separated us. God is holy and his holy fire just burns away sin. And someone has to die for my sin. And Jesus spoke to my heart and he said, Don't you understand? That's why I came to this world because you needed me to take your place and to die in your place. Wow. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And God's word also declares, 2 Corinthians 5.21, For God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us in our place, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What a tremendous gift. And Colossians just kind of spells it out. You were dead. You were like the crippled man. It was impossible for you to walk in newness of life. 
because of your sins, because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, it held us captive. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He canceled the record of the charges against us, all of the lists of the sins and my pride and my arrogance and my mistakes. He blotted that out with his blood. He nailed it to the cross. Wow. Absolutely amazing. Jesus died on the cross that we might be forgiven and made alive in him, given eternal life. So here's Peter in your notes. Face the facts about Jesus, Peter's saying to the religious leaders, to the crowd, to everyone that's coming. And How did this man get healed? You killed him. God raised him. Scripture foretold it. It was Jesus. Jesus healed this crippled man before your eyes. Fact is fact. What are you going to do about it? That's what Peter's saying. Here's what you need to do. So now we get started in verse 19. Grab your Bibles. Look it up. Here's what you need to do. Repent, therefore. Be converted. Open your heart. Be born from above. Allow Jesus to be your Savior, your Master, your Lord, King of Kings, the Christ, the Messiah, that your sins might be blotted out. We'll stop there. Repent, says Peter. You condemn Jesus as a blasphemer because he claimed to be the Prince of Life, Christ, the Messiah. You killed him for that. Change your mind concerning him and confess and believe that that is who he is. The facts back up everything that he said. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for you to forgive you of your sins, that you might be born again and give you new life and eternal life. So, Peter's not saying, so you have listed in your notes, Get your life together. He's saying, you have to change your mind about who he is. Deal with the facts about who he is. And then open your heart to him. So, some today say, Christianity, this Jesus stuff, it's just a crutch for weak people. You may have even said, It's a crutch. I changed my mind. I realized, yeah, Christianity is certainly a crutch, all right. It's also a wheelchair, an ambulance, a hospital, and a surgical team to give me a new heart. Jesus is everything we need because I have been run over and wiped out by the dump truck of sin. I realized I am a sinner. And that's why I need the cross of Christ for my sin. I realize I am sick. I need him to heal me. I realize I am weak. He desires to be strong in me and through me and give me a new life and a hope and a future. So Peter goes on. He says, 
He says, come to Christ. Your sins will be blotted out. As we go on with verse 19, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. The times of refreshing. Those have a prophetic meaning from the Old Testament and they're directed right at the Jewish nation. Uh, They're spoken of in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, Joel, Zechariah. They speak of the time when Jesus will return and he will set up his kingdom and he will renew the whole nation of Israel as a people and he'll set up the millennial kingdom and rule and reign for a thousand years. Zechariah speaks of this. Let's look at those verses. Zechariah chapter 12 and 13. The day will come. I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace, supplication. Then they will look on me whom they have pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. In that day, a fountain shall be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. And one will say to him, What are these wounds between your arms? And he will answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. He's hanging on the cross. He cries out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. These also speak to us, this time of refreshing, it also speaks to us today. We can be refreshed refreshed presently anytime that we look to Jesus We repent, we open our hearts to Him, and He comes into our lives. We used to think that religion was the answer. It's not religion, it's relationship with Jesus. Jesus says, So come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Matthew chapter 11. I will give you rest, no matter what you're going through in this world. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. I'm gentle, lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You won't find it anywhere else in this world. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. There's a time of refreshing wherever you might be as you turn to Christ, whatever you might be going through, whatever the situation surrounding you. Peter goes on, verse 20, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So, this is now a point in time And if you look on your notes, this restoration of all things, number three, is specifically designed and spoken to the people of Israel that Israel will be restored. 
And this is crazy that Peter would now offer this to Israel. But Romans chapter 11 says, I, don't, I desire, brethren, that you would not be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. Blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So what's happening, it didn't surprise God. This was all part of his plan. But Peter's still offering this to the nation of Israel. It's still possible at this time. But there will be a day, verse 26, all Israel will be saved. The deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away godliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them. God made a promise to Israel and nothing will ever change that promise that he's made to Israel the day that he takes away their sins. And again, one will say from Zechariah, where did these wounds come from? Well, from the cross. When I died for you, which I was wounded in the house of my friend. So all day, all Israel one day will acknowledge Jesus as Lord because of the promises and covenants of the Old Testament towards the Jewish people. They're there forever, sealed by Scripture. They will be fulfilled someday. God has sworn, sworn an oath. God's not through with Israel, not by a long shot. And Peter goes on and he talks a little bit more about that. Verse 22, For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And he's speaking, the Old Testament is speaking there about Jesus when he came the first time and was claiming to be the Christ, the Messiah. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet, shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. You have to understand, at this time, Israel is facing utter destruction. What are you talking about? Well, they're on the verge of judgment. In A.D. 70, Titus, the Roman general, will come, and he will destroy, literally destroy the city and the people and the temple. It's estimated that at that time when he came, over a million Jewish people gave their lives and the rest were sold into slavery, the ones that didn't get away and scattered throughout the world. Destruction did come to these people because they refused to listen to their Messiah. And Peter goes on, Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel, verse 24, And those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. Peter's again talking about the Old Testament facts as how they relate to Jesus. Verse 25, You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God has made to our fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, to the Jew first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. 
So here's this big old fisherman. He's given his life to Jesus. He's standing in the temple courts. The religious leaders are hearing there's another miracle taking place. How could this possibly be? And they're starting to come and find out what's going on. And Peter's sharing this incredible word from the Old Testament scriptures. He quotes from Genesis and Deuteronomy and Second Samuel. And they're gathered on the porch and they're listening to him and he's laying out the facts. And as Pastor Don shared, Peter has spent three years and 40 days in the school of discipleship with Jesus Christ, being taught the word. If you want to be used by the Lord like Peter, your notes number four, learn the word from Jesus. Spend time in the word with him. The study of scripture, it's a lifelong pursuit. God's word is Amazing. God's word is alive and powerful. It's an eternal delight. Take notes, write in the margins of your Bible, bring your Bible to church, bring your Bible to the Bible study, get to know, highlight, mark, take notes, whatever it takes to help you remember God's word. Spend time with Jesus in studying God's word, just alone with him. If you do, I guarantee you, your heart will overflow with the presence of Christ in your life. And like Peter, from time to time, the Lord will use you in incredible ways and people's hearts and lives will be touched. Again, I think of dear friend Neil Barnwell, one of our first elders who's since gone to be with the Lord. Neil just loved going through God's Word. And I took a look at his Bible. He had notes everywhere. He just shone with the Lord. And an amazing teacher, amazing understanding of God's Word. So as we move to chapter 4 in the book of Acts, Peter goes on. And now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. So they're here. They've heard. What are they going to do? Being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. No, we crucified him. We got rid of him. And they laid hands on them. They didn't lay hands on them for healing, folks. <laughs> they laid hands on them. They took hold of them. And they put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. So if you look at your notes, number five, Peter is offering an offer of salvation and the millennial kingdom with Jesus. He's saying that he could return, God could bring times of refreshing, God could literally the kingdom could come. Jesus could return. But this points to two things, both to God's graciousness. Unfortunately, it also points to Israel's unbelief. On the one hand, Peter, God through Peter, and Jesus through Peter, 
was giving the Jewish people an opportunity to repent and to turn back to Jesus. It was the sign of Christ's resurrection should have been the proof that they needed. They'd refused the pre-cross Christ. Now the resurrected Christ, how are they going to deal with him? Jesus had told these religious leaders that he would give them only one sign, the sign of the resurrection, Matthew 12. Remember what he said to them? But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. This is a transition period. Peter's offer of Jesus coming again in the millennial kingdom is very real. Here the religious leaders are given their final chance. God is so gracious. There's one more opportunity to repent, change your mind about Jesus, open your heart to him. But because they continue to reject Jesus, he will choose to send Paul the apostle and he will send him to the Gentiles. But Paul always went to the Jews first, and then to the Gentiles. Have you ever wondered this? What might have happened if they had faced the facts, and they had opened their hearts, and the Jewish nation turned to their Messiah, and the second coming came? Where would that have left us? You ever thought about that? I think about those kind of things and it just kind of hurts. But the deal is they did not turn to him as a nation. But God's never surprised by what man does or thinks or says. He still works out his plan according to his purpose in his way. Isn't God amazing? just as God's word has perfectly foretold. The Jews will be a light to the Gentiles. Now the religious leaders in the Jewish nation, they reject Peter's offer. However, there's still good news because God's plan is now moving forward. Look at verse 4. However, the writer of the book of Acts, however, the good news is, many of those who heard the word, who heard the facts from Peter, who opened their hearts, a number of these men came forward and they opened their hearts to Jesus and they were born again. There was about 5,000 at this time. So this was happening on Solomon's porch, the healing of the cripple. If there were about 5,000 who came at this point, there was started out with 120 the day of Pentecost, 3,000 on the day of Pentecost joined, now 5,000. And you've got to remember, there's also the wives and the children. There's 20 to 30 to maybe 40,000 believers. All of a sudden, there's a huge church of the living God being born. 
at this time in Jerusalem. Folks, like Peter, share the word. You see, the word is the facts of God's love for a people who don't deserve his love. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Those are facts. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave. And he loves you with all his heart. And that's the fact. And he's now a part of my life. I was, I was uh, on the phone with, not that I'm getting to be that age, with an administrator from Social Security. And we had done some things wrong in the past, and she says, I'm so sorry that, you know, I th- we thought, and, and Cheryl and I are going, oh boy, we blew it. And... Anyway, we're talking, and she's so kind, and so, and I just thanked her for for being so, you know, willing to explain and spend the time with us and so forth. And and then I just said to her, you know, we're okay. The Lord's going to take care of us. Dead silence. We're okay. The Lord's going to take care of us, folks. That's the facts. Don't we have incredible facts to share with our neighbors, our families, our friends? The love of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's alive, and he's in our lives. Share the word. It's powerful. So, we go on. Verse 5, And it came to pass on the next day, that their rulers, elders, and scribes, oh boy, are they upset, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. We've met this crowd before. Remember this crowd? The sneaky fellows, Annas and Caiaphas, in the middle of the night, the trial on Jesus These are the two men that were behind the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And when they had sent them in the midst, verse 7, they asked, By what power, by what name have you done this? What on earth is going on? And Peter, here he is again, he stands up. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's filled with the the power and the knowledge and the will to just share the facts and to share the love of Christ, but also to share the facts, because they are facts. Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, he starts out. Only, remember, two months earlier, here's Peter by the fire, denying Jesus in front of these very same people. Now, he's filled with the Spirit. He's a changed man. By the enemy's fire, he cowered. Under fire, whoa, now he's standing tall. I, I just love Peter and how the Lord is working in and through his life. Verse 9, answering them, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, I want to let it be known to you 
to all the people of Israel that it's by the name of Jesus of Nazareth whom you crucified. Whoa! Talk about bold. He's, he's under arrest. He has chains on. He's standing before the religious leaders, the leaders of the people, and he's saying, how did this happen? It was Jesus who you crucified. Whoa. Whom God has raised from the dead. Fact number two. By him this man stands here before you whole. Fact number three. Jesus healed him. You killed him. God raised him. Scripture foretold all about the things that would happen. Nothing surprises the Lord. Jesus has healed him. Here he is walking, leaping, praising God. And what are you doing? Well, you're just a bunch of lemon suckers. Oh, I couldn't believe that Jesus is back. That's crazy. Peter's going, but how bold Peter is. Jesus is Messiah. And if you turn your heart to him, he'll come back and the kingdom will begin. Just as God's word declared, he's, he's now quoting from Psalm 118.22 as we look at verse 11. You see, Jesus, he's the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. He's it. He's everything. He's all that he proclaimed to be. And then Peter goes on, if that's not enough, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is the boldest and most radical statement that ever has been made in Israel, in Jerusalem, to this day. Peter's standing tall. In fact, last point on your notes, you go back to the very birth of Jesus, the instruction of the angel. Do you remember what he told Mary? You'll call his name Jesus, Yeshua. Yeshua saves. For he will save his people from their sins. But not only his people, but anyone throughout the whole world who turns to him. Their sins are blotted away for eternity. He's Savior. That was his name from the beginning. That's who he's always been from the foundation of the earth. He was the Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world. Think about God's plan. It's incredible. When you accept his name, his name is all that it implies of who he is, that he's God, very God, the Son of God come to earth to go on the cross to bear our sins, to become sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God through him. It's all about him. There's no other name under heaven. The law can't save you. Religion can't save you. A ceremony can't save you. Only Christ on the cross of Calvary, who is now risen from the grave, 
can save you. Only as you cry out, Jesus, forgive my sin. Save me. Make me a new creation in you. There's no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. Any person that comes to Jesus in faith, confesses his name, opens their heart, and are born again, they're saved for eternity. I remember uh, Wednesday night quite a few years ago in the background of this one precious lady. She just couldn't believe the grace of God was that incredible. And she just couldn't believe it. And I said, well, you can know that you're going to heaven. You can know that you belong to Jesus and that nothing can ever separate you. Oh, I don't know. And then I shared these verses with her. 1 John 5, 12 and 13. He who has the Son of life, he, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of Jesus, the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God, in Jesus. Her eyes brightened up. Wow, I didn't know that was possible. And boy, is she continuing in the Lord. It shocked that dear saint. So we wrap up as the worship team comes up. Coming up, Face the facts, Peter says. Yes, you killed him. God raised him. Scripture foretold everything that I've been talking about and everything that you've seen happen before you today. Jesus is alive and he healed this man. Fact number four. Therefore, repent. Change your mind about Jesus. Open your heart to him. He is the prince of life. He is life itself. He's Christ, Messiah. So he's got all these facts before these religious leaders. What will they do? Next Sunday. You'll have to come back and find out. Stand with me and we'll worship our Savior as we close. But it was all part of God's plan and, and he gave him grace. He said, but I know you didn't really know what you were doing. How could he do that? From the cross, Father, forgive them. I'm here because I love them. Oh, how I love them. With every ounce of my being. I love them. So be like Peter. Share the facts. Open the door. Love those who even at one time have hated Jesus. Keep loving them. Because Jesus loves them. 
open the door. So here's Peter. He shared all the facts. How could they possibly refuse Jesus now? Because it's not just about the head, it's about the heart. And if you've known about Jesus and you haven't given your heart to him yet, be careful. Hearts can be hardened. And the Bible says today is the day of salvation. If he's speaking to your heart, open your heart today. He loves you so much. Lord, bless you. Have a wonderful day. Share the word, the truth, the facts with others. God bless.